完璧などはありえないこの世界は不完全だから美しいバカバカバカなに俺は海賊王になる待ってなんてこいつさなの力を渡した時に言ったことを覚えているかいクレ違うそこじゃない変態遅い Hello and welcome to More Than Hentai, a podcast that is here to show you that anime is far more than just tentacles and catgirls. There's also countless stories of love, loss, laughs, hope, horror, and happiness that are just dying to be found. And I, Brendan White, the Salt and Pepper Senpai, I'm here to help you find them. More Than Hentai is proudly powered by AFIT.net, Audio Technica, and those liquid based legends over at Dash Water. And joining me on this episode is my first repeat guest in more than an entire brief yet fabled history. She's the current e commerce writer for Pedestrian Group. We can also find her thoughts all over Gizmodo and Kotaku. She speaks Japanese better than I do English, and that's undoubtedly the Australia's biggest anime fan, which is a hill I'm trying to climb, but she's got me pipped for now. You can find this absolute gem of a human on the socials via Cottony, which is K O U T O N double I. Courtney, welcome back to the Riverside Studio. How might you be doing? I'm so good. I, I would love to help you climb the hill of being Australia's biggest anime fan. Just come with me. We'll, we'll go together. It looks like a great place to be. So I'm going to,、uh, yeah, do step by step. It feels like the,、uh, like, I wouldn't say Mount Kosciuszko because I've climbed that mountain, but it's like Kilimanjaro types of level of, of climbing. So,、uh, yeah, I'm going to get there and I'm going to join you at the peak. So just、uh, keep a spot warm for me because I'm looking forward to getting there. Of course. I, I'm so excited. I just want to <laughs> say really quickly first repeat guest. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Insane. Yeah, I was、um, like, I wanted to try and sort of prolong the timing before I grabbed some of my favorite anime minds back in the podcast seat here, here with me. But I thought, you know what? You are the anime super fan. You are Australia's biggest fan. You are far more educated and informed on this genre than I am. So I thought, you know what? I can learn a thing or two bringing you back. So、uh, here we are. We're going to have some fun. And I guess we'll sort of quickly go over a bit of your background again. We don't need to deep dive because everyone can go back and check out the very first episode we did together on、uh, Darling in the Franks, which is still equally fantastic. You、uh, have finished that、uh, since we started that discussion. Maybe, maybe not by the looks of you here. Okay. I will just say, I. My fiance has seen it and he loves it and he wants to watch it with me. But currently,、mm-hmm. we're getting through Jujutsu Kaisen together. It's on our list of things to watch. So, okay, that's fair. That's fair. Like, we are inundated on the daily as far as new anime hitting the various streaming services and whatnot. So,、uh, I'm not going to frown too heavily upon the fact that you haven't finished Darling in the Franks. But yeah, go back and check out that episode. We had a great time and it is anime well worth your time and investment. But、uh, yeah, give us, give us the background story on yourself, who you are, what you do. I know since last time we've spoken, you've landed a new job at Pedestrian Group. So, congratulations. That's very exciting. Thank you.、Um, yes. So, if you don't know me, haven't heard of me, I have been watching anime for like accurately like recording my anime and like aware that I've been watching anime for. 11 years now. 11 years. <laughs> How insane is that? I, It's a lot of years. It's it a lot of years. It was my 10 year anniversary on my anime list last year on my fiance's birthday. 
Oh, wow. See, that, that's that got double relevancy then, you know. Right? It's, it's two endearing big moments now sharing that same special date. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I And now it's like my 11th year and I'm still not tired of it. And I'm like, that that must mean something, you know. Because it's, it's the gift that keeps on giving. Like there's something new to discover and experience every single day. And I've only been on my anime list in an official capacity since this year. But yeah, my my anime dipping of the toe transcends decades. But uh, I know I constantly see when you're doing your TikToks and you're showing your credentials up there. And I'm like, damn it, she's still so much further ahead of me as far as the hours watched. I need to get there. I need to lift my game. Because here's the thing, if I don't put them in the TikToks, I feel like people wouldn't listen to me. Like when I say watch Himoto Maru-chan, which is like the biggest joke of an anime, and I'm sitting here saying it's good, everyone's like, what does she mean? The anime is so bad. I'm like, no, actually, please, it's good. Trust me. It's my favorite. Have you had people, when they see those credentials, they go, oh, okay, she knows what she's talking about. Like she is up there. She, she's a heavy hitter in the anime game. Yeah, so my comments uh, are it's either people going, I'm not going to watch that, or people going, oh, you you know what you're talking about. <laughs> like those, That's the, the dichotomy. Um, for anyone listening that doesn't know, I've watched, I think it's like 114 days of anime now, um, over like 450 series. It's impressive. It's impressive. Like annoyingly, I can't pull up my my street cred right now to directly compare. But I know I know you've got a got a bit of a gap on me. But I'm gonna persist, and hopefully by the time I get you back here for a third time, that gap is going to continue to close because I can uh, I can consume this stuff at a, a very scary rate. Sometimes I can get very hyper fixated on series and and just chew through them like no one's business. But uh, yeah, you're still the uh, you're still the benchmark, and I, I respect the hell out of that. Well, luckily for you, I spend most of my time playing League of Legends. Like, that's my my first treat for myself after work, and then I watch <laughs> anime. So it's like there are a few hours a day where I'm not watching anime, so you can catch up. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've got that lull time to my advantage now where I just need to hope that you get stuck in some long games that just sort of blow out the night and I can sort of churn through some things a little bit quicker. So uh, yeah, there's hope for me yet, listeners. We'll, we'll, we'll sort of keep this up to date. We'll have like a bit of an unofficial rivalry going on to sort of see where the gap is and, and who can sort of take over whom by uh, by the end of the year. I love this. It's, it's so good. It's my first anime rivalry and I'm all for it. But uh, something else that I'm all for is we're doing something a little different here on, on More Than Hentai. Typically, I'll have a bit of a pre-qualified set of questions that I'll get our guest or co-host to sort of fill out to get a bit of an understanding of what they're into, what they're looking for from anime, and then I'll try and recommend something to check out that they haven't seen. We deep dive on that first episode and unpack the highs, lows, and everything else in between. But yeah, it's different on this episode because this is something that you've recommended that the time neither of us have checked out. It's just currently airing at the moment. We've got three episodes out at, at sort of time of recording right now. We're recording on the 16th of October. But what made you recommend this anime for myself and I guess for us as well to check out? Like what was what was the hook? What intrigued you when you sort of saw this anime pop up? Okay. A bit, bit of a long story. That's um, okay. We're good time. I- Every season um, of anime, I am constantly keeping an eye on what's coming out next season. Like con- like every couple of weeks, I will check and I'll go through the list and I'll add things and I'll take things away um, mm-hmm. to really kind of refine what I'll be watching. Sorry, Siri's just being very rude right now. 
Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll kind of curate my list for the next season as the current season is airing. And last season I was looking through the list and I was like, I can't, I can't watch another fantasy isekai. It felt like last season was the heaviest isekai run that I've seen in a long time. There was a couple of good ones, but there were so many where I was excited for that were just duds. And I regret wasting 12 episodes worth of my time, but in my mind, I have to see what happens at the end. Right? Me too. I, but I was like, I'm so burnt out. And I saw like Freeran was coming and I was like, okay, that'll be my one. So I was like, what else am I going to watch? Like, because I will watch anything. Mm-hmm. Like, I will watch it no matter what. And I saw this show and I was like, it looks like it might not be great, but it looks like it'll be a bit silly. So I'll give it a go. It can be my background anime, you know, mm-hmm. every season. You got to have one. Um, and I noticed that the author of the manga for this series was also the mangaka for another series that I love. Uh, Would that be Haven't You Heard I'm Sakamoto? Yes. Is that the one? Yeah. It's so good. It's, it's so cool. So good. I yeah. I strive to be Sakamoto in my daily life. If I can get half as cool as, as Sakamoto, I would be happy. Like I would die a happy man because he just oozes effortlessness and just coolness and every other positive-based adjective you could throw at him. He's just a dude. He's the man. Yeah. So when I saw it, it was from this mangaka, I, I was like, okay, this, I'll, I'll give it the benefit of the doubt. Um, and I watched the first episode. And I think it was literally after I watched the first episode, you messaged me and you're like, do you want to come on the podcast again? What should we talk about? And I'm like, this, <laughs> we're talking about this. Yeah. It wasn't even any hesitation. It was just bam, right there. And I'm like, okay, that sounds like a time. Yeah. So we watched the first episode of Migi to Dari or Migi and Dali. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, it is It is a journey. So, yeah, M- Migi and Dali for those uh, less less acclaimed speakers for, for us uh, whiteies here in Australia listening. And, and it's a mystery manga series, as Courtney mentioned, done by Nami Sano. It was serialized in Enterbrain's Seinen manga magazine Hata from July 2017 through to November 2021 and was also collected into seven Tonkaborn volumes. And yeah, sadly, it was Sano's final work before she passed away earlier this year due to cancer. Uh, an anime television series has since been adapted by Geek Toys and Comp Town, and that premiered in October of 2023 with three episodes released at time of recording today. It currently holds a score of 6.89, though, on my anime list, and that's based off 2,500 users or viewers or, or reviewers, however you want to quantify that. And you can currently consume these three episodes via Crunchyroll. So, yeah, it's it's brand new. It's hot off the press. It is bittersweet knowing that this is her last works that she's uh, that she's published prior to her tragic passing. But, uh, yeah, Mickey and Dali, the story, I've got a very brief synopsis that they sort of tie into it. It doesn't give much away, but it'll sort of lead nicely then into sort of unpacking this episode. So the story of Miggy and Dali is as follows. The stork brought an angel into the lives of a childish middle-aged couple. His parents are kind, their house is luxurious, and their meals are delicious. But to continue to revel in this happiness, Hitori must conceal a certain fact from his family. 
dot, 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 cue ominous music, dun, 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 what is happening? So we're going to be talking about the first episode here, wholly and solely. We're not going to go beyond that into the second and third episodes, but everything that happened in episode one is fair game. So there will be some spoilers around the first episode, which is called Miggy and Dali. But Courtney, where do you want to start this off? Because uh, this is quite the journey. There is many things, like we were talking offline before the mics went hot, about the amount of scenes and moments and lines that they throw at you during this 20-odd minutes worth of runtime. There's a lot to sort of take in and reflect upon. So so where do you want to start? I feel like we have to start from the beginning. I feel like from the the kids talking about the middle-aged couple coming to the adoption home mm-hmm. um, and it's just this sweet old couple and all the kids are excited. They're going, didn't you hear, didn't you hear? There's a couple coming to adopt a child um, and all the kids are excited and they're trying to like impress this old couple who mm-hmm. have walked in and the the lady is like, oh, I want to adopt all of them and they're like, oh, but we're old. We can only adopt one. It's super heartfelt and very endearing. It's, uh, you know, you, you see both ends of the the adoption agency spectrum. So we're, we're looking at Soramame House, which is where all these all these budding children hoping for a fresh start in life are occupied. And yeah, it's just it's just a good vibe. Like the soundtrack's really positive and it's very joyful and you can sort of feel this good energy. But if we sort of take a step back a second, because the open before that was super jarring to me because the the open, just cold open, no opening track, no, no sort of funky credits or anything to begin with. We just open straight away with this lady with fair hair lying face up on these on the on the on the ground blood sort of around the back of her head and sort of flowing down her body so you can see she's hit the ground with some amount of of sort of pretty heavy impact and she's holding this um pendant which is part of her necklace which has got a little snowflake on it and it opens like it's so sudden and so jarring and you're like what is happening here have i missed something like did the episode skip forward a few minutes and then, yeah, then it jumps straight into the cuteness that is Suramame Adoption Agency. And you're like, okay, have I missed something? It's just going to explain itself a little bit more as it unfolds in the next few scenes. But it was two very stark contrasted uh, situations playing out in front of me. And I'm like, hmm, I don't know how to feel right now. What's the tone of this going to be? And it's kind of crazy because the that very first scene of the the, we can assume, murdered woman only lasts for like, 15 seconds yeah. so you, you it like glosses past it and you're like hold on there's a there's a dead woman over there can we can we go back to that um no yeah we weren't allowed to they just went no we're, we're going to keep rolling and and sort of moving this momentum into this very whimsical sort of vibe at the adoption agency so i had a hard time detaching the thoughts regarding the the potential murdered woman and what's happening because it was i can't remember like the um the operatic song that was playing over the top of it, but it was like so epic in scale and like the shot was gorgeous. Like when they had the really tight framing of her face and sort of the almost like this blood halo around her with her long sort of uh, blonde hair, it was, it was stunning. And the big crescendo from the music built up and then it went straight into this whimsicalness and, and joyous moment in an adoption agency. And I'm like, man, I feel like I'm watching two different shows. Um, it does feel like that throughout the whole episode honestly like but yeah after the adoption agency well not even after as the parent not the parents the old couple is leaving the woman loses her hat like it blows away in the wind 
and the she looks up and at the very top of the adoption building there's a blonde boy holding the hat and he's like hey I'll give it to you when you come tomorrow like when you come back I'll give you back this hat and this woman she's so taken she's like oh what a sweet boy but it's only when they get in the car that it gets a bit weirder it really does. Hey, like you see Hitori up there and, and he somehow managed to almost ascend from the or descend from the heavens to grab her hat as it's blowing away in the wind. And they're fully in love with this is this is the most beautiful child we've ever seen. Look at how handsome he is. And then they jump in the car and then this sudden downpour occurs and, and the elderly man's like, oh, it's just an autumn storm, which kind of confused me because it said it was in December. And I'm like, well, this ain't autumn then, fella. Like, you know, wrong seasons, old man. But I know you maybe time slipping in his mind. And so there's this massive downpour. Uh, he turns the windscreen wipers on on the car. And then you see Hitori, the young little handsome 12-year-old boy outside doing this very selfless act where he's holding an umbrella over a dog so it doesn't get wet in the rain. And so, you know, he had them hook, line and sinker by then. They're like, no, nah, this is our kid. This is the, the boy we want to adopt We're not accepting it either which way because he is Jesus reincarnate right now. Yep, he's he's got the hat. He's saved this dog from the rain. An angel, a literal angel. I can see why they would be enamored. Yeah, they they were all about him. Yeah, so Hattori was was the son for them, and then we get the the open. that kicks in and it's a super funky track by Sararu and Rib. Really good vibe. Like I had my toes tap and a little bit of a finger click going on. Some really interesting imagery because in those few minutes before the open, it doesn't really explain a whole lot. You don't get any of Hattori's backstory. But then in the open, you start seeing what there's, there's two of this boy. What is going on? What's happening? The imagery starts to contrast and there's almost like a, a good and evil Maybe not good and evil, but like, I guess, slightly less good and yeah. maybe good or neutral type of vibe going on. But the intro really got me going and, and added to that intrigue from the few minutes prior. It was so good. It was like seeing double. It was so fun. Um, my favorite part and the reason that I've seen episode two and I watched the opening through again, I very rarely will watch an opening after the first time. Just the the last scene where they're grabbing the cherry pie. One of them grabs. It gets me every time. I, I wrote that it. in my notes. I wrote that in my oh. notes regarding the open, and like, oh, I had like I was writing. You know, this is I'm getting some real like parent trap vibes going on here from this intro. I'm like, is this going to be that type of story? Like, I'm not sad if this is the Eastern version of Lindsay Lohan that we're seeing play out. Like, I'm in. But there was in that open, there was a lot of. A lot of masks, like Katori was taking off all these masks. I'm like, oh, that's a little bit yeah. sort of a uh, bit of foreshadowing going on. And then, yeah, you see the two cherry pies because the screen's split down the middle and you can see Miggy and Dali on either side. But, yeah, one of them couldn't care less about the pie, but you see the other one just sneak up over the top, grab like the hand up and grab the pie. And the pie looks delicious. Like oh. I'm like, mm, sign me up. So, yeah, the, the open was fantastic. So good. And the, the moment where they're like coming out of the tent at like – either side (laughs) like a weird contortionist magic act like and there's a lot of that in this episode too like they're they're little circus performers some of the things you see so 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 yeah after the open we still haven't really had any confirmation or denial that there is 
two boys, like, is it a split personality thing? Are they two separate humans? What's happening? The masks had me questioning for a second. I'm like, maybe he's just playing many different roles. And that's what all this is implying. But after the open, we we sort of jump forward the next day to, to adoption day. And Hitori's been selected or chosen or paid for or however it works at uh, the Suramame house. But it's funny because he arrives and like he's, he arrives a little bit disheveled. He's got no shoes on. He's barefoot. He's a bit scuffed. And you're like, what's happening here? They Didn't really, they pick him up? They zoomed in on those feet. They, <laughs> this show, there's some feet nonsense going on in this show. Um, a and lot, that, hey. That was the first, the first moment. I was like, oh, that's weird. Anyway, keep watching. But yeah, his dirty feet. Yuck. Yeah, it made no sense to me because so he's been adopted, but he ends up sudden, somehow at the front door of the elderly couple's house that adopted him. Like they didn't go back to the adoption agency and pick him up and drive him home. Like it almost implies that he walked there barefoot from the agency. Right? Like that's weird. Like I would think, I don't know how adopting a child works because I've never done it, but I would think if I were going to adopt a child, I would go and pick them up myself. Like I they, can't, they can't drive. Yeah. Like, it's what? like, here's $5 little Timmy, get on, <laughs> get on the bus and then take the, take the transfer to the train and I'll see you at home. Like, yeah, it, it was a bit of a weird um, stretch for me, that part where I'm like, Hmm, that's a, that's a little bit uh, bizarre. That doesn't seem to add up, especially cause they were so like smitten with Hitori when they saw him. So I thought they'd be there and they'd roll out the red carpet for him. But instead he, he rolls in there barefoot and a uh, bit, bit scuffy. Ugh. <laughs> yeah. So, so there was a bit of a focus on his feet and then they're still uh, doting over him. He's the new apple of their eye. And, and so he, they take him upstairs to his new bedroom and it's a massive big room. There's boxes and things everywhere. It, it's a pretty impressive space. Like if you grew up, poor in an adoption agency this would be one of the greatest moments of your life and there's a bit of confusion by i guess we'll just call him the dad at this point in time or the adopted father and he's like oh, i need need to get the box cutter i'm gonna start getting some stuff out and then he sort of pauses for me and he's like i don't remember like that big box there arriving what's going on here and hitori's like hang on it's all good do you mind father if i decorate the room myself and so they're like yeah no worries we'll go get dinner ready they bugger off downstairs but then the mood completely changes the soundtrack gets a little bit ominous you can sort of see all the kindness in Hattori's face go out and then cuts the box open and what happens there um wow there's a person in the box Uh, (laughs) Hattori is one of a twin pair um he Hattori means one person in Japanese um there you go uh, not one person, two people. <laughs> Migi, which means right, and Dadi, which is short for left. So we've got some naming conventions in there, which are really good um, and a bit cheeky. But yeah, so one of Migi or Dadi, whichever one, comes out of the box and he's like, thanks for letting me out, brother. <laughs> Yeah, and you're like, oh, okay, so that all makes sense. Like the whole wearing many masks, playing different roles is not any type of metaphor. They're actually they're actually twin brothers and you can see straight away like they're a cheeky pair. You can see straight away they're very devious and mischievous and then I immediately played back 
the previous you know few minutes that got us to there and i'm like how calculated have this has this whole plan been hmm what am i going to see for the rest of this episode in this season even just thinking back to the why why did they not drive him home my thing is maybe Hitori was like, "Oh, I can, I can go myself because it's like, how are you gonna fit two oh, humans yeah. in a car? And it's like, if one of them's in the box, like, you know, what are the logistics there? So I can't help but feel it was kind of even that was planned. That makes sense. Like, it feels like these two boys because they're like twelve years old, but they're just super scheming, super geniuses. It feels like." And they've been planning this for a good long while is my assumption at this point of the episode. And and then I started thinking maybe once the papers were signed, maybe that was the day before, maybe they, they walked to the, the, like the home before that. And he slept outside. That's why he was a little bit disheveled and allowed his brother to get in early and get in a box and and stage this whole situation. So I was like, Hmm, there is, there's a lot of moving parts to this story and I can't wait to see it all sort of come together. Yeah. I, I just, the next scene. <laughs> the, the next scene is amazing. Lead the us next, in. <laughs> the next scene, um, Hitori is called down for dinner. Um, the dad comes up and Migi or Dali, one of them needs to hide because at this stage, neither of the um, parents know that it's two people. They think mm-hmm. we have Hitori, we have one son. And so the dad goes upstairs and I was like, oh, it's time for dinner. And we'll say Miggy, one of them, Miggy is, goes, oh, yep, I'll be there in one second. Just like give me a minute. Um, and I I don't quite know what happened because they go straight to the dinner table. Like it cuts straight to the scene at the dinner table and we see Miggy sitting at the table with the mum and the dad mm-hmm. and in the corner, we see Dali <laughs> hiding behind a pot plant while the three eat dinner and he's just sitting there listening. And i that's what I love about the show is they're always listening to each other, which is like obviously super important if you're staging a plot where you're like, you know, pretending to be one person, but you're actually twins. <laughs> It's great. Like this first episode, the amount of times you see Miggy or Dali just skulking in the shadows just out of eyesight of one of the parents is amazing. And like you said, they're always observing. They're always noting down everything that's said. And it, it wouldn't surprise me if we find out they've got like photographic memories or something because they're so so clever and on everything and like quickly circling back to when they do go down and uh yeah like you said we'll just say miggy was at the dinner table i didn't get to see because miggy's the the right-handed boy and dali's the left hand i didn't get to see in my rewatch which hand he was using for the knife because i'm like maybe that's going to be the tell here but i missed it but i've got to say the food in this anime looks amazing I constantly was writing like, oh, my God, that looks so good. I'm salivating right now. Every dish that this mum prepares looks divine and I want a slice or I want a plate of everything she's serving up. Yeah, it looks amazing. Um, Just like the – there's something about like a cartoon roast chicken with like the little things on the legs. I don't know what they're called, the little paper. Yeah, they're like a little sock almost, like a little paper sock. (laughs) Yeah, it's like that. I hate – chicken with the bone in but the a cartoon chicken with paper <laughs> socks 
gets me going. It, it got me going too. And same as listening to the Japanese way of saying jambalaya got me going. I had a big chuckle because it was an interesting sort of assortment of food on the on the table. Like there was a roast chicken, a lot of trimmings, and then jambalaya, which is typically like a Spanish dish, if I remember right. Like it's yeah. a Spanish rice dish, isn't like it? A, looked, like looked a, amazing. A huge, and I feel like it's normally served as like a huge dish as well like yeah almost like a paella right like yeah. in that sim- similar type of big giant wok type of situation but um yeah it was it looked stunning and i was just wanting to jump into the screen and, and have a big old bite but that's where we discover that they're nearly they're soon to be 13 years old and they start discussing um we, we need to get you some more clothes because because they fully kitted out the wardrobe and it was like very bright seasonal sweaters and stuff and Miggy was pretty resistant to that. He said it was too small was his angle. And they're like, well, what would you like? Like, what would you like, Katori? Tell us. And, and he just sort of looked down and he's like, we haven't described the outfit. It's pretty much like very nondescript blue jeans and like a black sweater. And he was just like, if you can just get another two more sets of this, I'm going to be great. And then the mum, she goes, you can't be looking like Steve Jobs. We're not going to allow that in this house. And I died. She literally, she goes, you're not Steve Jobs. <laughs> You're, and I'm like, oh my god, that's, I'm, I'm done. I've, I've died and gone to heaven. My soul has left my body. Because uh, he's wearing like he's got the turtleneck sweater, mm-hmm. and and this, I think this anime is set. I think it's like the late '80s, early '90s, where like yeah, so '89 is when they got adopted. So I guess it would be sort of on brand with that type of look and aesthetic. But yeah, the Steve Jobs line got me because I'm like, how big was Steve Jobs in 89? Like I didn't really sort of fact check if he would have been more of a known commodity back then, but I'm like, I don't care if there's a disconnect there because it's still like, like with you, it nearly killed me. It, man. The, and cause she yells it as well. The camera <laughs> full on is on her face and she's like, you're not Steve Jobs. And it's like, God, all right, mom. Jesus Christ. It was so good. It was so good. And, and something you alluded to earlier in referencing sort of the, the contortionist and the circus acts, that's sort of the next thing to follow. So you can see Miggy at this stage, he's getting very full. He's got like the stereotypical like full anime belly and he's sort of rubbing belly. it very gleefully. <laughs> and by that time, Dali's scheming to get his way under the table to, to sort of, I guess, do the, do the bait and switch. And so Miggy's like the mother gets upset that no one's had any of the jambalaya because they're all, oh, I'm so full. But he's like, it's all right, mother, I'll have some. So she gets very excited, starts focusing on serving up the jambalaya. And in that moment, the twins become like a human figure eight slash infinity symbol under the table and just time this maneuver where they sort of flip in and out without the parents noticing. And I'm like, okay, it kind of makes sense. Like it could happen, I assume. I'm nowhere near that agile and I would have hit my head on the table and swore and probably fell and over, but it worked and I loved it. <laughs> My so my thing is with that little scene is first of all the music like crescendos and it's like this huge dramatic thing and it's I just have the image of like Miggy holding his belly and then you like look <laughs> down and Dali's like looking up at him like a little dog begging for food. <laughs> I'm like, oh my lord, what am I watching? Um and then yeah, they they hold hands and their feet touch they're both barefoot and that once again the feet their feet it's like foot to foot and they like flip and oh my god 
it's very impressive that it works and it's done so smoothly and quickly that the parents don't notice because they're too busy focusing on the jambalaya and how delicious a meal that looks. So you start seeing you start seeing Dali then just hoover this jambalaya and he praises how good it is. So the mum's heart just fills up to the point of exploding and they're just heart-eyeing their child Hattori, not knowing that it's, it's two boys that are enjoying this big meal. But then after that, the scene that immediately follows this is where I'm like, this is a bit weird to me and I wanted to sort of talk it out with you as well. So after dinner... Hitori or Miggy and Dali, they've sort of since left the room and and the, the father's sitting even in the living room and he calls Hitori over and he asks his son to give him a massage because he says he's always had the dream of his son massaging his shoulders. And I'm like, is that a thing? Like, is that normal in Eastern or Western culture? Is that normal in general? Like, am I the only one here feeling very uncomfortable watching this scene play out? Like, how did this make you feel? It made me really uncomfortable. And I don't know if it was the fact that it went on for so long. So long. (laughs) It It felt like it went for like five minutes. (laughs) It was so weird. And like, I I definitely have the thing, like when I... when I was a kid and I saw my parents get home from work and I saw they were tired, I'd be like, oh, like I want to help them. Like I want to do something for them. And my dad would be like, oh, like just pass me the newspaper or something. And I'm like, that's a regular behavior to do. Mm -hmm. Like if you want to help out your parents or do something nice for them, um, you know, something little, maybe not a full on back massage where he's like pound, now need, now pound. Yeah, it, it gets really suggestive where it, it gets to a, a point where both the boys are standing behind the father and, yeah, one of them's pummeling and then one of them's, one of them's kneading. So they almost become like a, a rowing team where it's like the dad's sort of rotating in between the pummeling and the kneading. And that was super weird because it was super sexually suggestive. And then at the end when the father like gets teary-eyed and starts crying at how great this is in such a special moment and I'm like, hmm. I feel a little bit uncomfortable right now. It just it just kept going. I was like, when will this end? This is weird. And nothing comes of it either. Like, you know, they don't get discovered. Like the mum doesn't walk in or anything. Like they just leave and go back to their room and that's it. Yeah, I'm I'm wondering if if something like that is going to be their downfall down the line where it's gonna be a a suspect massage that gets them found out or not, who knows. But uh, yeah, so we have this weird massage that goes for far too long and then it transitions to their back upstairs in their bedroom. I'm assuming it's just before they go to bed and and they're doing a bit of a debrief in their teepee, which is, you know, adorable. (laughs) I love their teepee. (laughs) It's so great. I wish I had a teepee as a kid. Like that would be my little special escape spot where I could, you know, scheme and, and plan my next big adventure and, they're in there and and you can sort of see even though they are very smart and strategic they've got like some pens and paper or pencils and and paper down in front and they're sort of drawing and sketching out the schematic of the the house so they're starting to understand what's what but the way it's drawn you can see it is drawn by a child so I like that contrast. I I love that it's like it's drawn by a child but like it looks like a proper kind of schematic of the house, like mm. a proper blueprint. And all we see is them scribbling over it. Like <laughs> and holding color. it like a child, like the fist holding of the pencil. 
and like across each other like they're all over each other like they've got their arms over each other's arms and they're like trying to reach and it's you look at the picture and it's just scribbles and I'm like yeah. what what is what is this boys what's going on uh they like have an eraser there I'm like yeah erase all of it that's doesn't make yeah, any this, sense this is trash throw it in the bin you know, you, young, scratch. <laughs> young boy geniuses and you're ruining this good paper and pencils here. So, yeah, they're having a bit of a chat about the about the parents and then it jumps forward to the next morning and Miggy and Dali sort of come down the stairs and the the parents don't know they're there just yet. As, as is tradition, they're hiding just out of sight, sneaking and doing all kinds of reconnaissance and they listen on about the parents and the parents are sort of saying, oh, I feel they're holding back. They're not showing them their true selves. And then they pick up on a couple of key things. One was about the mother always just wanting to make cherry pie for their child. And the other one, also weird, was the dad saying, I hope that I can have, like I can put my child on my shoulders one day and carry them around. And I'm like, all right, we're going back to this well again. This is going to come up somewhere in this season. And we didn't have to wait too long, but uh, they then walk into the room and casually, Miggy or Dali, I wasn't too sure which one it was, asked, Mother, do you mind if I sit and read beside you? And he strategically grabs the book off the shelf, the cookbook, and references straight away the cherry pie, and that full heart explodes again. Okay. Do you not think it is weird that the book that one of them pulled down to read was a book specific like only about making cherry pie and it was like this like a children's picture book yeah it had a giant picture of the cherry pie in the background i'm like hmm, that's that's a little too convenient if you ask me just a kid's picture book about cherry pie and i'm like this is very strange like either the mother has like a hyper fixation on cherry pie or something's going on I would have accepted if maybe it was just a book on pies and cheesecakes because yeah. I'm like, you know, I'm all about that life. I would buy a book on various cheesecakes and, and pies because they're some of the best things to eat in the world. But I'm like, I don't want a whole book just on a cherry pie. Unless it's about the making of the song Cherry Pie by the fantastic band in the 80s called Warrant. I don't know. Maybe it's like a biography on how that song came to be. Who knows? Good song. Great song. Um, but, yeah, she's... Miggy or Dali pulls out the book and they're reading it and they're like, Mum, is cherry pie even real? (laughs) (laughs) This food, it looks so good. It can't be real. It's a dream. And the mum's like, it's real. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, my God. They've they've had her on the hook since that hat moment. And, yeah, I I love the interactions with the mum especially because she's so – so animated in her delivery and it then jumps forward to that where she's like yeah we're gonna we're gonna make cherry pie right now and it's straight into the kitchen and she's teaching them teaching him as in i'm just gonna say it's dali for now who knows flip a coin and and they're starting to make the cherry pie and, and explaining the steps and they get to the very tricky lattice situation going on but then something happens and he has to step away from the kitchen and the boys get together, tag team the shit out of that lattice and boom, 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 it's done. And she runs in and then she drops like a big shit. Like she swears, drops the big cuss in front of in front of her son because the lattice looks that great and she's that impressed and blown away. In English, mind you, like this is like if you watch the sub, which is only available right now, it's just in English, full on shit. And it's like... <laughs> Wow. 
I didn't even comprehend that. I was just like so taken aback by it that I didn't even realize that it that it transitioned from Japanese to English. And and I'm learning more things today. I love it. Like she, the voice actor for the mum was told, "You need to say shit in English right now, very passionately," and she did a great job. Whoever the it, voice it actor sold is. it. It sold it so well. Like I was again cackling at that moment because it just came so far out of left field. I did get very hungry seeing the pie again because the lattice work was impeccable. Like if I was there, I would have dropped a big shit as well uh, because <laughs> it looked great and I got very hungry again. But it just just made me cackle and just seeing that unspoken twin bond that I guess even does exist in real life and just how they don't have to say anything, but they become this one one humanoid creature with four arms in these situations and they're just speed latticing this thing. I'm like, this is going to lead to so many chaotic moments in this series, I'm sure of it. Like there's going to be many hijinks where we see this like, I don't know how what we'd call it. Like, like, a, like a, a four-armed monster like hybrid. The way they're just always on each other. Yeah, which is a bit weird in itself. It, even even in in the the open or the close where they're like riding a bike together was even a little bit weird to me. Like I see that and I'm like, hmm, don't know how to feel about this either. Like the it's like they have like arms, like no arms on the inside, and then each has one arm on the outside. Yeah, it, it's like if you were ever kids and you'd like buy a giant t-shirt or, or get your dad's t-shirt and you and a friend would both jump in it. So you become just this one person. That's what this situation is with with Miggy and Dali. But it just works and I love it and it makes me smile, but it also makes me feel very uncomfortable because the, the next scene is where we, we go out into the yard and uh, they're, they're weaving in like they remembered the old man's desire about putting his son or his child on his shoulders to help them out. So they've conveniently got a little birdhouse they want to put in the in the tree. And so he jumps on his jumps on his shoulders and gets lifted up. And then the old man does his back in trying to lift the boy up to get the birdhouse in. So it was a, a failure. The birdhouse did not get put into the tree, but it was still a funny moment, but also made me feel uncomfortable again. Yeah, just I I feel like if the boys were younger, it would be less strange. Like if mm. they were if they were smaller as well, because they're quite tall and lanky. Like they're yeah. just shorter than the dad, I think. Because they're yeah, they're like teenagers. So it's like I I don't think a teenage boy would go on his dad's shoulders that way. I certainly would not like. I love loved my dad, and we were very close. And you know, we'd hug and stuff, even even into my thirties and things. But like in my teenage years, if you sort of said, "Son, you know what I've w- always wanted to do that would sort of bring us closer together," and I'd be like, "What, Dad?" And he'd be like, "Get on my shoulders and let's put something in a tall tree that you can't reach by yourself." I'd just be like, "Piss off, Dad. I love you, but that's weird as shit." I have video games to play. Actually. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so it doesn't make much sense to me, but I sort of suspended that disbelief and just went, I'm going along with this. All right. There's going yeah. to be a payoff one way or another. Yeah. But dad's back is really sore now and he's laying in the lounge room and mum is putting like heat packs on it. He's in a lot of pain. Yeah. He, he is struggling, the poor old fella. And so that's sort of where that day ends. And then... The boys are trying to rethink the birdhouse plan and I guess 
having the the ultimate connection with the father through this dream that he's had for for I don't know how many years. And so they end up jerry-rigging a pulley system together where one of them climbs up the tree with a rope and ties the other rope to the other. And by doing that, they can sort of offset the weight because uh, Miggy or Dali, I don't know which one it is that's sort of jumping and just hanging on one side to sort of balance the weight where the dad then is able to spring to his feet without the discomfort and the pain on his back. Happy days. The father is like gushingly happy again. And obviously he'd be able to see Miggy or Dali hanging there. So one of the boys quickly cover his eyes and he's like, what's wrong, son? Are you okay? Are you okay? And he's like, no, I'm just like overwhelmed, but also scared, I think is what he sort of said. Yeah, he said he's like scared of heights. <laughs> yeah, scared of being like half a meter off the ground or whatever. <laughs> but it's a time, it brings them closer together and the birdhouse gets put into the tree. So all is well. Their parents are just uh, adoring their son, Hathori, still not knowing that it's actually two boys, Miggy and Dali. <laughs> Okay, and I, I just want to unpack the when they're planning, they're thinking they're in their teepee and they're like, mm-hmm. how how do we get our dad to have the best time of his life with his son? How do we do this? And they literally turn around and they're sitting in their teepee together and like, oh, an old man like him, how does he ever think he could even lift us? And it's like That's they're right. I forgot dissing about that. him. They're just like dissing him. And I'm like, man, you, this is your idea. This is your plan. <laughs> and then they look up and they see their, like, toys hanging. They've tied some toys up to the top mm. of their TP. <laughs> and they look up and, like, I have an idea. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, I bet you do. <laughs> I totally forgot to jot that down because, yeah, I remember that. And I'm like, is that, like, a bit of an omen up there? Like, is this sort of we're getting, like, a cult in the woods type of vibe going on all of a sudden with these toys tied up in the in the TP, not looking very comfortable? No, well, that's what I thought too. I was like, what is this symbolism? What is going on? No, it's literally just the plan that they have hatched after sitting in their TP together. Yeah, it was, uh, it's, it's very clever. Like that, that cunning that they've got just continues to build as these scenes go along. And yeah, we sort of see that play out in reality with the pulley system and then the father getting to another level of endearment with Hattori based off this, uh, head and shoulders based moment that they share together and then um yeah they they sort of flash forward to the evening again and they're having yet another debrief in the tp in the uh the miggy and dali hq unpacking <laughs> the days that were had and, and yeah talking about the elderly couple and the one part I, I did notice in there was the the reference to how delicious the cherry pie is like that yep. one really cracked me up as i'm like yep I mean, any type of food discussion, I'm all for. Yeah, they're, they're really like, they're once again scribbling on a notepad, like not drawing or writing anything useful or important, just scribbling. And like, yeah, so we found out the old man has a bad back and cherry pie is actually really good. Like, <laughs> hard truths. <laughs> with those just like silly scribbles. That's the bit that gets me is the scribbling. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's kind of cool because it then it always pulled me back into, yeah, these kids are just 12 years old. Like they might be little conspiring super geniuses that are up to God knows what, but then you see those little moments where they're in a child's TP with toys tied from the roof and, and you're yeah, doing little random nothing scribbles. I'm like, yeah, they are just kids. So 
I can't completely dislike them, even though if they're going to turn out to be little bastards. So yeah. <laughs> I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt. And, and it's interesting because the ending kicks in right then and there. Like it's a bit of a, like I won't say a non-event of an ending or the episode to sort of end on, but the art and the music in the ending is really cute. I got some like some where the wild thing vibes are from the sort of hand-drawn art style and also seeing the boys from what I could see watching the ending through twice. They're sort of wandering through the wilderness and they're a couple of lost boys and it sort of ends with them almost like finding civilization. You see them sort of climbing up over a hill and you can see like a little township with lights on. So that sort of then brought me back to them being dirty all the time or barefoot and a bit scruffy. But then as that ending uh, finishes the song and, and it ends on that scene where you see the two boys sort of sketched over the hilltop, it then flashes back to the orphanage again. And I'm like, oh, oh here we go. What's happening? And we see the boys straight away disheveled in the corner and you hear the, the other kids at the orphanage talking about, oh, there's, there's a couple coming today. They're going to adopt a child. But then you hear the children go, oh, they can only take one. And so... Yeah, Miggy and Dali are like, ooh, only one. Okay, the, the plan begins. And they mention Oregon Village, which I'm like, hmm, okay, what's that? I'll note that down for later. But you can also see that one of the boys has that snowflake pendant around his neck that the woman had in the opening scene that was dying uh, with the blood on, on sort of the cobblestone ground around her. So I'm like, ooh, what is, what is happening here? But that's not even like all of the ending because you see the whole parent trap scheme come together where we talked about the hat blowing off. That wasn't by accident. They they hooked the hat with a fishing line, whipped it up and did more of their circus act things. And then the scheme regarding the, the storm in autumn, one of the boys had the hose and were just coating the car in water so it looked like it was rain. And they found out that the puppy that they were shielding from the rain was something they made out of clay and it was yes. all a ruse. And it was the ugliest thing. It, <laughs> it didn't disgusting. even look like a real dog. It looked like a pile of poo. <laughs> I was like, are these old people blight? Like, okay, if I was in a car and a kid was hosing my car, I would be like, stop hosing my car. Mm-hmm. Like, it's so obvious. Like, how do they not look in the rear view mirror and go, oh, it's not a storm. It's a child with a hose. Yeah, it was, Um, I, I just, uh, as far as how I connected them, like they were just so swept off their feet by meeting Hitori in the window when he grabbed the, grabbed the hat and he's like, you can get it tomorrow when you come back. So I think it was just like hard eyes, Nothing else in the world mattered at that moment because they're like, that's our son. We've been waiting our whole life and we've found him. With the fishing hook as well. (laughs) (laughs) The most like wily coyote trick in the book. (laughs) Expertly done, I've got to say. Like it was so perfectly organized. And yeah, the old horrible Play-Doh or clay poo puppy that they made. Yeah, it it was not believable at all, but I just assume – Aged mixed with them being now immediately smitten and obsessed with this future son of theirs. They just looked past that. And I'm curious to see in future episodes as this story unravels and and maybe they realize that they've got two boys, there will be some flashbacks to that and they'll be like, wait, that wasn't a dog. That was a piece of poo clay sculpture you made. (laughs) Or actually, I've got a scratch on my head from the fish hook that got me in the hat. Like I wonder what sort of flashbacks and moments we're going to have to re-reflect on in future episodes. But uh, overall, I really dug the first episode. It was really fun. 
a lot of twists and turns and a lot of like, hmm, how's this going to play out? And a lot of intrigue and mystery that I want to know more about. Like, have you watched Beyond Episode 1 and watched Episode 2 and 3? I've only seen Episode 2. Um, I'm yet to watch Episode 3, but it there's mysteries to be solved yes. in yes. this show. But honestly, I will just say this is something I love about anime where it's so ridiculous and it's so like I would never believe a pile of poo is a dog and it's like just that sentence alone I'm like yep Mm -hmm. I'm in like this is what's good about this medium yeah it's it's anything is possible in in anime and when the writing is and is is great and the direction is great like uh Mankayu I think you pronounce the writer slash director who sort of helmed this from from Geek Toys uh as sort of the lead on that the the direction that they have with this it's very expertly done and the subtle storytelling and the framing of shots combined with the the use of music really complements what they're doing here like it's fun it's enjoyable, but there is this dark layer there where I'm like, this could take a turn at any given moment. Like, even though it's fun and cute seeing everyone smiling and cherry pie is the best, I feel like it's going to get dark and it's going to get heavy. And I'm going to feel like we felt a little uncomfortable in a few of the lighter scenes today, but I feel there's going to be some scenes that are really going to hit us hard and I'm going to feel not good. It's, it, it's creepy. I'll say that. It's funny and it's cute. But it's creepy, and I love it. Yeah, the uh, the boys reminded me of like um, I think it was a horror movie. I think it was called like the not the village, but it was something like similar to that, where all the kids were like fair haired, same colored eyes, or, or like children of the corn type of vibes. I'm like, yeah, you you boys, even though you're sweet and you're the most beautiful children slash child, depending on who knows you on planet Earth. I'm like, yeah, there, there's some evil in your core that I'm sure, or at least in one of them, I feel. I feel from some of the exposition they gave us in the opening or even just watching their facial reactions throughout this episode that one's there's like the good twin and the bad twin. So I feel that's going to play out in this season as well. I feel like even just from episode one, like the Oregon village thing is like a big plot point. Like obviously mm-hmm. the the grandparent or the parents are from that place and you know, they have some kind of connection to the village. Yeah. Yeah. I've got so many questions and I'm looking forward to uh, watching more of this anime. So I'm very thankful for the recommendation. I think you nailed it. I'm I'm on board. I'm going to ride this sucker out to the end and see where this story takes me because yeah, it hooked me like the, the crazy tone, the dis- the constant disbelief that I sort of had to suspend watching it, but I was along for this ride, even with the awkward massage situation. Like that didn't break me. That didn't go. You know what? I'm out. This is this is too much. I'm done. It was just a little bump in a very good smooth road outside of that moment. Yeah, I feel like even if it goes downhill from here, it's so strange that it's fine. It's okay. <laughs> Yeah, I've watched far worse. I've I've persisted with utter trash and this does not feel like that at all. It feels like it's going to be a good time and hopefully it's going to be one of the best new anime of this season because uh, yeah, it, it's very distinctive. It stands apart from the countless influx of isekai and stuff like that. This is very unique and very distinctive and yeah, I'm keen to see what uh, Nami Sano put together 
with this uh, anime because yeah I'm, I'm in I'm in so I appreciate the recommendation and uh I'm looking forward to sort of talking to you offline week by week as the episodes roll out because I feel we're going to be getting contorted mentally like these boys do physically with some of their acts so yeah I'm all for it I'm excited me too me too. Well, we might jump into the last word presented by our friends over at Japan Crate. Experience Japan through snacks and knickknacks via monthly package drops courtesy of japancrate.com. While you're there, be sure to use code 8BIT15 at checkout to save yourself 15% and free shipping anywhere on planet Earth. Courtney, what is your last word or series of words? Because sometimes people take it literally and give me one word. What is your last thought on Miggy and Dali so far? Poo dog. <laughs> i also would have accepted cherry pie oh yeah good one yeah yeah it, it is great uh go check it out it's yeah three episodes out at the moment the fourth episode is going to drop in the next few days i imagine if my maths is correct but it is a ton of fun it is everything you want in an anime in all the right ways. So, uh, yeah, Mickey and Dali available right now on Crunchyroll. Well worth your time. But, Courtney, thank you so much for returning to the studio and riffing with me. This has been a ton of fun, and I'm looking forward to getting you back on to uh, see how our anime rivalry has uh, continued between now and then. Yes, thank you for having me. Um, surely we do, like, a final episode of Mickey and Dali catch-up. We might need to do a recap. Yeah, we need to come back and unpack this the story that was because I'm sure there's going to be a lot to talk about, both good, bad, and awkward. So, uh, yeah, we'll have to tee that up. But um, in the interim, where can listeners find you and all the fantastic work that you do? Oh, boy. All right. You can find me on Twitter at Kortoni, K-O-U-T-O-N-I-I, or if you want to read my work that I do for Pedestrian Group, um, Gizmodo, Kotaku, Lifehacker, Refinery29, Pedestrian TV, that's me. That is you. Yeah, be sure to check out the fantastic work that Courtney's doing on the regular because there is a lot of great information there, a lot of great insight, especially in the anime realm. There's some really cool recommendations and little rapid reviews, not only on her TikTok, but also in those written content pieces as well. So do that. Be sure to check out all I do at Brendan8bit on the socials or at videogamesandculture.com. Be sure to rate, view, subscribe this podcast and all the other podcasts you listen to on the regular. Those ratings and reviews take no time, cost no money, and uh, mean the world to podcasters like ourselves. So uh, pay that good vibe forward with a juicy review or a share on the socials. But until next time, listeners, whether your anime be subbed, dubbed, or still yet to come, enjoy yourself, stay hungry, and much love to all the gorgeous waifus out there. Goodbye. Goodbye.